0: Welcome back to the Two Man Wall Podcast. This is Match Week 7. I am here with my brother Ethan. How's it going? And this week, another fantastic week in the Premier League. When is it not? Um, I mean, overshadowed a bit by some refereeing decisions, but some great football nonetheless. Some refereeing decisions that will probably be talked about too much and not enough at the same time on this podcast and the next uh Forty five minutes or so. Um, but City take a loss, Tottenham win it at the death, and perhaps the most shocking event of all, the ball comes off McCallum Mudric's foot and it goes in the back of the net. And look, good for him. That's all I'm gonna say. We'll get there eventually. <laughs> Who would have thought Kai
1: Havertz scoring wouldn't be the biggest scoring headline? Arsenal again? Had, <laughs> Arsenal
0: fans had a solid I would say thirty-six hours to mock mudrick before mudrick <laughs> scored and it was a yeah. good 36 hours i'm not gonna lie as a as an average twitter user <laughs> and arsenal fan it was a pretty rock solid 36 hours
1: as soon as i saw the goal <laughs> notification that mudrick scored i immediately went to like the <laughs> NBC sports app to like watch the game to uh-huh. Just praying that it had been disallowed. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's already scored yeah. the second.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, but no intro segment this week. We have way too much to talk about this week on the podcast, so we are foregoing the intro segment. We're already behind schedule, actually. Just ninety yep. seconds in. <laughs> um, but we're hopping right into the matches this week. Match week seven content is a go. Starting off with Aston Villa six. Brighton won. This was an absolute bloodbath at Villa Park. It started off in the 14th minute with Ollie Watkins, then again Ollie Watkins in the 21st, and then a a stupendous own goal that destroyed me in fantasy. Um, destroyed everybody. I'm pretty sure everybody's <laughs> got
1: a on in FPL. Myself I mean, included. I have.
0: This is a draft <laughs> league. This isn't a. Uh, this isn't a, a money league. Oh, okay. But Ansu Fati gets a what would be serious consolation in the 50th. And then Ollie Watkins completes his hat trick in the 65th. Jacob Ramsey adds the 5th in the 85th. And then Douglas Luiz gets the 6th in the 90th plus 7. It finishes 6-1 to Aston Villa. Just 38% possession for the Villains on the day. Matted 6 goals on 9 shots on target. Uh, this is quite the humbling for Brighton Hove albion
1: Yeah, I mean... I don't think anybody could have seen a scoreline like this coming. However, Aston Villa's home record against Brighton has been pretty good in recent years. And if we're looking at just recent home form from Aston Villa, this is now 10 consecutive home wins in the Premier League for Villa. An insanely impressive record. So, I think I I predicted Villa to win this. Certainly not by the scoreline. But... Not surprised that Villa have put in another very impressive showing here at home and yeah, just absolutely humbled Brayton. I mean, Evan Ferguson, you know, their star boy, going to go to Chelsea for 150 mil next summer. He got yanked at halftime. Um, wow. and that's when they were 3-0 down, they yanked off their, <laughs> their striker. Um, so clearly, Deservey was just ripping up the notebook there. But yeah, um, Unai Emery had this Brighton team just absolutely on their heels all game. Um, this Diaby Watkins partnership is
0: just something to behold. Yeah. Uh, Watkins is cooking this year. I mean, yeah. he is really finding his form. Uh, how many goals is that in the league? Like six? Uh, did, well, did he, he, he got the in the league, he's had
1: a slow start. Like he scored his first
0: league goal last week. Yeah.
1: But he's been good in um in conference league. I think that's where he had his other hat trick mm-hmm. this year because I know he scored the second. But Diaby has had a fantastic starts this season as well. He has sure, himself yeah. three or four goals, couple of assists. I mean, yeah. When you're comparing right now, you're comparing Watkins if you're comparing Watkins and Diaby to duos like Rashford and Hoyland or um. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, other other duos that in theory they're competing with. I mean, they're blowing them out of the water right now.
0: Yeah, um, yeah. no one can I, contend with them. Yeah, this Aston Villa. I mean, when you think of how far, I saw a tweet the other day about uh after the uh this Villa very convincing performance about how far they've come. They were one VAR glitch, not even VAR glitch, goal line technology glitch. Away from potentially spiraling into the championship, all of a sudden, a couple of years later, they are feasting on teams that are looking for to crack the top four. Um, like this is this is a transformed team that. I mean, Unai Emery. We thought it was a lang- I thought it was a language barrier thing. With Arsenal? Clearly it's not. Yeah. Because he came right back into the same league and now now they're cooking. It's probably better than... Uh, uh, this is as good as performance as Arsenal's ever had under Unai Emery. Like... Yeah. And this is with, you know, Jacob Ramsey in the midfield, not Mesut Ozil. So, credit to Unai Emery. I don't think I've given enough credit to Unai Emery yet because, you know, I always have this thought that it's going to come tumbling down at some point as it did for him at arsenal but i mean he got his guys he got pal torres in who is this guy like he, he's doing his thing and i don't think he was allowed to do his thing at arsenal i think mm. he a lot of that stuff was kind of like oh i need to go for the big fish because I'm, I'm at arsenal now he can kind of like that's more his speed and i think that could have been the issue with grant potter as well where you just make that jump I, Unai Emery was at PSG before that, which is one of the biggest fish in the world. Yeah, and you kind of need to be that system manager to be mm. there. But like Aston Villa, and it, it was Sevilla, Villarreal. Where was he before? Villarreal, Villarreal, right? Yeah, because it was Pal <clears> Yeah, he he managed Pal um, That's they're, they're very similar in terms of like spending budgets and you know quality in the first team. So it's just it's just more his speed and it's working it's great it's it's, yeah. it's a it's a i'm not gonna say trait but like it's an underrated kind of part of the decision making when it comes to picking a manager like have they managed a squad of this quality before higher or lower i mean because look at father. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm I'm saying, like, for Potter. And if you took Zidane and had him come manage, like, Fulham, I don't think it would work. Because Zidane's used to managing the, you know, egos of the world. Versus, if he goes to Fulham, now he's got to be, you know, developing these academy guys to play left back and fucking an- deal with Anthony Robinson. And, like, he would never be able to deal with Anthony Robinson. He, c- he could never get the best out of Anthony. Zidane could never get the best out of Anthony Robinson. <laughs> Marco Silva can. Zidane cannot. That's one thing Zidane cannot do. He can get the best out of Ronaldo. He cannot get the best out of Anthony <laughs> Robinson. It takes a um, real just top-quality
1: manager to get the best sure. out of Anthony Robinson. I mean, anyone exactly. can get the best out of Ronaldo. It's Ronaldo. Right? <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, but I guess, on the other hand, we should talk about, is this a reality check for what this Brighton team actually is? Or is this a fluke game and they'll return to... Beating up on you know whoever they have next week can don't even exactly know. I haven't looked ahead too far, but I think they you have Liverpool next week at home which yeah in the past has been a favorable fixture.
1: Um, I mean it's a bit of a reality check sure, but I mean these these results have happened for Brighton. I mean they had what was seemingly a reality check when they lost you know three one at home to West Ham. Um, mm-hmm. and now it's a decent West Ham side, but obviously not a team that you expect to lose comfortably to at home um but yeah it just goes to show that Brayton Brayton are still a top quality team obviously I mean they've picked up 15 points in the first seven games they're in sixth right now of level on points with Villa um I don't think it's a huge danger danger sign just because this is you know Brayton are sitting sixth that's kind of like Yeah, if most people wouldn't have predicted Brain to finish sixth this year, I did. I'm not saying that you know they've already finished sixth this year just because we're seven games in, but Brain are just about where they expect to be. They're they lost big this game. This is an aberration losing six one. Mm -hmm. I mean, once once that third and fourth goal goes in, the rest is just anything is yeah yeah it just kind of it kind of escalates from there. Um. But not a huge danger sign. Brighton lost to a very good team in a very difficult fixture. A lot of teams better than them would struggle to play this Villa mm. team right now at Villa Park. It's yeah. not too much to read into.
0: I agree. I don't think I'm going to add on to that. I think that just this is a very good team. They are they are good teams have bad games, basically. yes. Yeah. More of the story. Manchester City t- one. Wolves two. Manchester City go to Molyneux and take the fucking L without Pep Guardiola. The game went as follows: Ruben Diaz own goal, kicking it off in the 13th. From I believe it was a Pedro Neto run down the wing. Yeah. Um then Julian Alvarez with a inch perfect free kick that uh Jose saw could not keep off the line and then the winner coming from that Korean guy Wong Hee Chan in the 66th minute. Um one shot on goal for Wolves <laughs> in this game. But that's all you need sometimes. They take all three points at home against the league leaders and Manchester City, no golden Premier League trophy for them this year. They take their first loss of the season and are now just one point ahead of Tottenham for the first place in the Premier League.
1: Yeah, I mean... <laughs> what 2-1 win with one shot on target. I mean, <laughs> that is as smash and grab as it gets. Um, <laughs> just a, a pep disaster class without him even setting foot on the sideline. First... Seven games in, and he's already gotten himself yellow accumulation. From as a manager, <laughs> like, is and that they, true? it's not. Yeah, it, well, it's it's not five yellows. It's three yellows for a manager to get oh, like okay. yellow card accumulation. But still, like, City have been perfect. <laughs> before this game, they won every. <laughs> they won every game. Like, what is? what is pep yapping about on the sideline (laughs) in this perfect start that he's gotten himself three yellows in the first six games. So that was error number one. And then the second error, which he's made before with humans on is underestimating a Korean. Um, I don't know if you remember him calling, uh, Spurs, the Harry Kane team before, um, Before Son I think it's just uh, out of the this, quarterfinals. This might be just a
0: case of xenophobia. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. <laughs> it's not a coincidence anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and then,
1: of course, Pep calling Yi Chan the Korean guy. Only for the Korean guy to give Man City their first loss in the league this season. Um... It's just it's this is cinema. This is this is what we <laughs> love to see. Um so Huang Yi Chan deserves tremendous credit. He's had great starts to the season. Very I mean Secret I'm sure like... Yeah, I mean this this goal I'm sure has you know put his name on everyone's radars, but I mean what he is like five goals a season, I think. Four or five yeah. goals a season already. For a Wolves team that usually can't fucking buy a goal,
0: but yeah, he's four goals. I'm like
1: but right now they can thanks to Huang Chan and almost more so thanks to Pedro Neto who has been absolutely cooking this season. Mm. Pedro Neto has four assists and that doesn't even count You know the fact that he was solely responsible for that Ruben Diaz own goal. Um, Pedro Neto has been just absolutely phenomenal to start off the season when Wolves really need him because like I said last season this is a Wolves team that can just just can't put the ball in the net, really, just very much a lack of creativity, but Pedro Neto has provided that spark this season
0: yeah wolves I mean this is a team that I have going down in in eighteenth, so i I didn't expect too much out of them. However, this was a relatively inspired performance again, this is not one of those games where you know they came out and just like put in a Legacy performance, they kind of just fell into three points on this one. I mean, not to take anything away from Wolves, but like they did have one shot on target, like they weren't exactly peppering Ederson's net. Um, and then they did need City to kind of be a step off their game. I think the difference between this week and the West Ham game last week, where James Ward-Prowse put them up one nothing, is Man City just got the ball over the line a couple times. I mean, those goals were not pretty. Um, I think uh, Diop or Aguard just, like, missed a header and it fell to Bridal Silva, and that's how they got their winner. Like, I think the difference between the game last week and the game this week is just simply, um, I don't even know what you would call it, like, ball luck. But, yeah. uh, you know, th- over that's a, what's great about a 38-game season is, you know, On the average, everyone gets the same amount of ball luck. You know, you might feel like you're slided, but everyone's getting slided. Everyone's getting the bounces. So it's going to work some weeks. It's not going to work other weeks. The good teams find a way to make their own ball luck. Certainly, Man City have have earned their fair share of ball luck. But on the day, it just wasn't. Um, But for Wolves, this could be a crazy big three points come Match Week 38 because in all likelihood, they will be fighting for their lives down there um besides this win they have not put in too many pretty performances this year and as of now they are sitting 15. i mean yeah 15th four points off relegation which at this point in the season is not a bad place to be no not um, bad at all and certainly with teams down here like luton sheffield and burnley that everton also that just look really hard um I said they would go down in 18th. I might be changing my tune a little bit. Not necessarily because of how Wolves have played, but there are some teams down here that really look poopy. Um, (laughs) You got to out-shit some
1: of these some of these really shitty teams
0: and that's yeah. not an easy task. I mean, yeah, you'll get Wolves will get Luton Town at home, they'll get Sheffield at home, Burnley. At like home. Wol- like-, like Wolves tried to lose to Everton and they couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> they went in
1: there and tried to lose to Everton and they came away with three points. So this is not an easy task.
0: <laughs> They're tanking for Caleb Williams. <laughs> Who isn't? Just can't do it. Who isn't? <laughs> Giants should be after tonight. <laughs> um I
1: think we should talk about uh, city for a second. We have talked about wolves for a minute, yeah. but city, um, actually, I think, I think this week kind of exemplifies something for city that no one has really ever thought about talking about, which is that city may have a bit of a depth problem, which is almost unfathomable. The D word. But, but Stones, Bernardo Silva, De Bruyne. We're all out through injury, and Rodri was missing through suspension in this game. Mm. Um, and it certainly showed uh, that they were missing some key players. And Man City actually have the smallest squad in the league with only 20 senior players. Um, which again, is something that nobody's really talking about because we just assume that I know, was City's got the it. best City's got the best depth in the league, right? But now missing some key guys, just dropped a stinker uh, away at Wolves. Does City have a bit of a depth issue here? Obviously, they're in a bit of an injury crisis. I mean, yeah. for God's sake, you know, they put Calvin Phillips on the field. I know Pep wasn't on the sideline. I'm sure he didn't authorize that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, but I mean, they, they put Calvin phone. Phillips Please. on the field. <laughs> this is a last resort.
0: <laughs> Yeah, uh, I mean that's over the last couple of years they've lost some depth. Jesus and Shanko just lost Palmer, Mares, like Gundogan, Gundawan, Fernandinho retires, like these are these are depth pieces. Like they they add up and I know they're they keep adding on every um every window with, you know, the Gvardiol's and the uh Julian Alvarez's, but like these are these are depth pieces that you are going to miss at some point, especially in these injury crisis moments. Now you know Arsenal's depth isn't looking too fantastic either. They're they're missing a handful of players. I think this is more injury crisis than depth crisis because we know how much quality City has, and they can always reach into their academy and pull out a a Rico Lewis if they need to. Um, but I. I would more be worried about the health of the ankles and the knees than the state of the depth, if I'm, a, if I'm a City fan. But we move swiftly along to a game that deserves talking about because not just the two teams, but the, 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 the crew that oversaw the two teams on the day. Spurs 2, Liverpool 1. It went... As follows, Heungman Song kicks it off in the 36th minute off a nice feed from Richarlison. Gokpo equalizes just on the stroke of halftime. Not 20 minutes after, Curtis Jones gets a red card in the 26th minute for a challenge that the commentators were not pleased was upgraded or kept. Was it upgraded? It was upgraded. It was upgraded. Yeah, it was upgraded. At first, um, Jones
1: was protesting the yellow, like, profusely. Because, I mean, mm. he, did get, he did get the ball first, so I can't understand a bit yeah. why. And his initial reaction was to be upset that
0: it was even yeah. a card at all. Well, let's go, uh, let's go decision by decision here, shall we say. We'll start off with this Curtis Jones 26th minute red card. Red card or no red card. Uh,
1: This is one I've actually gone back and forth on uh, upon first seeing it. I said that the red was Extremely harsh that he's gotten the ball first not a t- he's he's high He's gone over the ball a bit, but there's not a ton of force in there. I thought a red was very harsh thinking about it more looking at it more I do kind of see how You can kind of say it's a red there's enough force to constitute red, not a ton, but enough. You know he he gets a bit of the ball, but only a bit, and it is somewhat high. Um, he doesn't leave his feet or anything like that. Um, it's a tough one. It's it's one that I think you could argue either way. That one that one rationale isn't necessarily wrong. However, I do think that there wasn't enough to overturn it. Now, I know that's really never been a thing with VAR where it's like, you know, clear mm-hmm. and obvious. Um no matter what they say the purpose of it is. Yeah. Um but I don't think there was enough there to overturn it in my opinion. I think if he gave the yellow, he should stick with the yellow in that scenario.
0: Yeah. Uh it's like <sighs> I don't know what the rule is like i i don't know what the rule is i don't know like is it a dangerous challenge yeah like
1: yeah, it is like there's there's a lot of high, dangerous like, challenges that happen but like, like is yeah, it that's a what red I'm card card like challenge. There's,
0: there's a lot i don't it's tough because like they don't call us a red and then 2 weeks later someone comes in on a liverpool player or something like that liverpool comes in and or so someone comes in a Liverpool player and like gets a red and it's like I don't, or then like on Twitter people like pa- freeze frame this like Curtis Jones's foot uh-huh. like you know shin high on uh, well the freeze frames are always or... I I hate yeah. when they
1: show like like almost like just the freeze frames on like the VAR yeah. like for for these types of Obviously, challenges make, yeah. you would have to see it in full time like. Even slow motion like isn't like an accurate representation because you have to see them full time to understand Mm -hmm. like the force going into the challenge.
0: I'm going to say it's a red card because I think that's the way the rule was written with those with those challenges. If your boot makes contact regardless of how it does that high up. I think the rule was written to protect the players in the interest of keeping our best players on the field. And if that's the way the rule is written, this is a red card. I'm not saying I agree with how that rule is written. I think there's two schools of thought when you write rules. For profit and for integrity. That rule is written for profit. The rule is written to keep the best players on the field. And, you know, increase viewership as is the goal of the Premier League board. So by that rule, this is a red card. However, if you're writing a rule to maintain the integrity of the game and make sure fair soccer is being played for all 38 match weeks. I think you rewrite the rule. That is my official statement on that. All in all, yes, it's a red card, but the rule I think is poorly written because it doesn't reward. Cause that's a good challenge. He goes in, gets the ball. Like that's, that's all you can ask for from a defender. But if, if the league wants to keep players healthy, it's a reckless challenge but we move on to not that long after a ball is played in to luis diaz in behind and he slips it past Vicario for one one only to be one told one nil one nil, one nil? oh wasn't one one yeah oh i thought oh right because it was it was way earlier um because human son of course of course it was of course it was one nil Um, it was called offside. They send it up to the booth. The booth thinks the goal is given. They say, all good. And we play on. Except it wasn't all good, Ethan. Because the call was not the correct call. The call was offside and the booth thought it was a goal so the booth thinking it was a goal says play on not knowing that they were playing on the offside's call rather than the goal and i cannot for the life of me figure out how that happened um yeah you're just kind of speechless
1: after something like this because First of all, there's four guys in the VAR room. four guys. how did not one of them realize that Luis Diaz had stopped celebrating <laughs> that <laughs> not one of them was paying attention to the actual match broadcast, which obviously they have in the VAR booth, like you know what everyone else is uh-huh. seeing, that zoomed in on the linesman raising his flag that no no Liverpool players had gravitated towards Diaz to celebrate, like, nothing that would ever indicate a goal. And they had, like, a solid, you know, 20 to 30 seconds before, you know, play restarted for them to realize this. Um, It's just absolutely inexcusable. You know, I was... Um, I was rooting for Liverpool in this game, but, you know, I'm not a Liverpool fan, Um, but I think any Premier League fan, even Tottenham fans, I'm sure Tottenham, I can't expect Tottenham fans to be that upset, you know, in the scope of the game, but in the grand scheme of things, I think every single Premier League fan should be absolutely incensed that this is going on in our game, because it's it's just inexcusable. The thing is, this doesn't happen anywhere
0: else, like... Like, what the f- Like, how is it possible that this only happens in one league? Every league in the world uses VAR. Like, every- MLS uses VAR. Fucking Liga MX uses VAR. They all use fucking VAR. Yet the only people that are not competent enough to check whether the actual on-field linesman has this flag up are the ones in the league that's the biggest and most popular, bar none. Like, and I, I, this doesn't make sense to talk about for that long because obviously they're wrong. It's nothing to re- really even dissect, but like that, this is like so head scratch. Like I've been following sports, just sports in general, for since I was like realistically six or seven years old. I'm now twenty one years old. That's fourteen years of sports. Like I've never seen. This kind, and it was the same thing last year with the Arsenal-Brentford game. Didn't they, like, forget to draw the line? How the fuck do you forget to draw the line? (laughs) Yeah. How how do you do that? Like, I I just don't understand how it's so lax. How is there no, like, checks checks and balances process inside that booth? In the NFL, it's never... NFL was the first league in the world to introduce video replay. The first one. Everyone followed after that. Since the, like, early 2000s, they ha- they've had video replay. Not one time have they ever forgotten to do something in the booth. <laughs> That's, like, 23 seasons now. 250 plus games a season. Not one single time have they forgotten to, <laughs> to do something in the booth. Forgotten a rule. Forgotten to, 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 like, say, oh, yeah, like, call's good, even though, like, they for- thought the call was something different. like. Every time there's a play, it's the ruling on the field is this, and then they go in. Like, how is that not happening? How is it just completely just like ambiguous? It's just vibes. It's just like, yeah. What do you think? What do you think? What do you think? Okay, this is what I think. Okay, this is the call. Not even like what happened. Not like kid. We're doing like the whole like releasing of the like chats now, right? Between the AR and on-field referees. I I can't fucking wait for that. Let me get my popcorn. (laughs) Let me get my fucking. Laffy taffy, I cannot wait for that. Well, the I, thing like, is, there what, what
1: there the was fuck? no chat. Clearly, there was no chat because <laughs> there was because I've heard, I've heard these before. You know, they they've released these, like you said, and the on field referee yeah. he says, okay, I've got blank, I've got handball in the box, I've got uh, offside, I've got mm. a straight red card, I've got this on the field. Clearly. That was not said, because if it was, yeah. then we wouldn't be talking about this shit. So what was said?
0: <laughs> and it was, the thing is, when you're watching it live, it was cleared so quick. So immediately I thought there was something wrong. Because you could see mm-hmm. that it was going to be close. That if he was offside, it was going to be by a toenail. Uh-huh. And the fact that it was like, check cleared. After like, Diaz didn't even but get back to the position draw the, time the, the shit was cleared. Yeah. Yeah. Well, sometimes they draw the lines and, like, don't show it because they don't, Mm -hmm. like, flip over to, like, the lines broadcast. So I thought they, like, drew it quickly and were like, oh, shit, like, they're getting good at their job. Turns out it was the opposite. (laughs) Like, I, I don't understand how, like, it's not the same dude in the booth. Like, the way they do in the NFL is, like, it's sent to a centralized center where they have video specialists who know the rules and watch... The replays, and then like it's it's just it's the same like team of twenty people that sit in the booth and get calls from Seattle and Arizona and uh you know New England and like this is the call what do you see, this is what I see back to you and that's it it's the same it's like the same crew, I don't know why we need to send head like head referees like Darren England up into the booth like (laughs) this is this is a referee that's been using a whistle and now he's got to use like a screen and like like that's ridiculous this dude's like 60 years old maybe that's the issue it's maybe it's a fucking like technical literacy thing where like they can't figure out like facebook likes and shit like how could they figure out like an actual like replay and like oh switching angles and like they don't fucking know what they're doing in there
1: they didn't know how to change the hdmi on the uh, on the VAR screens. <laughs> but my, so they just weren't watching. My,
0: my grandparents don't know what the button on the side of their iPhone does. There's no fucking way that they know what what, what they're doing in the booth. That's all I'm saying. Oh. I think we should give them a tutorial or something. <laughs> and just if we cut one... to the VAR booth, and it's just like a YouTube tutorial of like how to rewind video. Oh my god. It's just what makes this the
1: worst call in the history of VAR's short and terrible lifespan the Premier League is that this is the one thing that they can't, like, get wrong. It's the one thing that they can always <laughs> get right. There will always be subjective VAR decisions for penalties and red cards and shit like this. Like, that stuff is always going to be debated. and there's really not much you can do about that. But the one thing that VAR can control, the one thing that VAR can do for the greater good of the game is correctly make offside calls. And if they can't do that, which they've shown that not, this is, this is just the tip of the iceberg because this is the most blatant one. But like you mentioned, the arsenal Brentford game last year where they drew the lines to the wrong person. Um, if they can't get these calls right, then what? What the hell we have VAR for? Just so we can mull over subjective decisions and debate about them more afterwards? Yeah, like it's this. This is where like you genuinely question if VAR has any good in the Premier League whatsoever. Because before this the was the is, one thing that it benefited yeah. from, but now now does it?
0: Yeah, it. I, like that's the thing. Like. VAR should be abolished in the Premier League. Like, that's it. That's all. Like, until we figure this shit out, like, you can get rid of it. It's not a problem anywhere else. It's not, it wasn't a problem in the World Cup. It's not a problem. In the Champions League, it's fine. It's not a problem anywhere else. Except in the Premier League, for some reason, we can't figure this shit out. Like, VAR is good for the game. English VAR is horrible for everybody. Everybody involved loses when VAR gets involved. Just in England. I don't think, like, in English, like, championship, I think they're okay. Like, I think it's just the fucking Premier League. They just can't figure this shit out. And it's, like, if I wasn't so emotionally invested in the integrity of the sport, hilarious. Like, Mm -hmm. it is very funny how, like, there are baristas that are 100% effective at their job, yet the people (laughs) in this booth are, like, 60% effective on, like, a 10 times easier job. You just have to look and see if the guy's off sides, and you've done that a billion times in your life, and you can't fucking figure that out. I don't—it's— And I'm not even— this, I'm not even, like, emotionally invested in this game. And, this, and I'm still fucking furious about it, let alone, you know, a working-class Liverpool fan just going off on Liverpool fan TV outside of Anfield. They probably don't even know. The people, the people yeah. in the stadium probably had no idea. Anyways, we're still in the middle of this coverage. We move yeah. on. We, we should probably Cody talk Gakpo. about like
1: the sport of soccer being played in this game. Um,
0: yeah, probably a little bit. Uh, Cody Gakpo gets the equalizer in the 45th plus four right on the stroke of halftime. Uh, just 25 minutes. Yes, correct. 25 minutes, 24 minutes into the second half. Diogo Jota, a second half substitute, might I add, gets... A swift two yellow cards. Ethan, any complaints about these?
1: Um, yeah, this first yellow just was non existent. Um, I yeah. believe it's Udogi who he quotation marks clips. Um, <laughs> but I just don't see any contact whatsoever. Not really a VAR issue, just some more poor officiating that's you know, Contributed to the ultimate outcome of this game in the end. But and honestly, after after all we've talked about, like, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> oh, second one's probably... <laughs> second one's harsh just because, like, it's pretty much just Jota's, like, second foul. So, yeah. like, for that not to be an accumulation second yellow card is a bit harsh. But, again, it's subjective. I wouldn't necessarily say a bit harsh for a second yellow. Wouldn't necessarily say it isn't um but overall very hard done by you know to be sent off without question should never you know have been sent off
0: yeah um but liverpool hang in there for as long as they possibly can and with just about the last kick of the game uh Matip sends one flying past Allison to the back of his net to send Tottenham Hotspur Stadium into an absolute frenzy. 2-1 is your final at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Obviously, this game was all Tottenham on the stat sheet because they were up one man for 60 minutes and two men for another 30. So, I mean... I, what what is even a deserved result in this game? Like <laughs> Liverpool, like were Liverpool deserving of a point? Like maybe were they deserving of three because they got really fricked by the refs. Like were Tottenham Tottenham were still good before the red cards. Like and they possessed well and they generate chances. Like I I can't make head or tail of what to, what this outlook is of these teams as we go forward. Yeah, it
1: is. I just have to say what a shame it was that the refereeing decisions took over this game because I tell you, this first, like, 20 minutes before the Curtis Jones red card, it looked like we were going to have just a phenomenal game on our hands. It was just right from the start, very end-to-end, very energetic, just as it hoped to be on paper. Like, yeah, you know, I was 20 minutes into this game, you know, Middle of the day Saturday, like I was on the edge of my seat. Like it was such a good start to this game, and even when the the Curtis Jones red card happened, it was still pretty end to end until until Liverpool went down to nine men. Liverpool were still hanging in there, still creating chances off the counter. I mean, Luis Diaz scored a good and legitimate goal when Liverpool were down a man. Um, yeah. There's nothing. There's nothing else to say about that. Um. So it's it really is a shame that. The refereeing decisions have overshadowed this game, and I mean, Spurs score the you know last second winner in this just topsy turvy game, and literally nobody could give a shit about it, really. <laughs> Besides Spurs fans, of course, but literally nobody else is like talking about what a dramatic finish it was because it's just been overshadowed by a decision that has just crippled the integrity of you know the game yeah.
0: it's bad it's bad it's it's tough to even it's tough to to look at uh like play anymore and be like okay phew he's on side like oh like soccer scores great could be offside holding my celebration see the replay all right, looks like he's onside. We're good. You can't even say that anymore. Because fucking, what? you don't know what the, the idiots up in the booth are going to say. Yeah. You don't know what, where they're going to draw the line. It's a fucking crapshoot. Like, it's, it's, it's really, really going to be interesting how I react to goals from here on in. Mm-hmm. Because I don't know. I don't even know how to react until the ball is kicked off. And even then, I don't even know. They could pull some shit. Mm-hmm. I don't know. This yeah. this was fucking crazy. This is this is unprecedented shit we had this week. Mm. God knows, like there, there could be more unprecedented shit. They're they're asking for a replay. We're, we're, like mm-hmm. I don't, I honestly don't know where to even go from here as a, as a fan of the game. Um, in terms of what the punishment should be for these guys, uh, what are the punishments when regular blue collar workers make critical errors? They get fired. Get these guys out. Like, if if they can't operate the fucking mouse and scroll through the, the thing and, and make a, a right call, then you have no purpose being here. There's, like, millions and millions and millions of dollars on the line. This could this could have been a relegation battle game in week 38 of, of the season, and you could have cost the team uh, $300 million and crippled the organization for the next five years. Like, that's the type of shit we're working with here. Like... Uh, you're lucky, honestly, that it came in such a big, in such a top table clash, and these teams really don't have anything financially on the line because it, it has a lot more stakes. It could have had a lot more stakes, and it could have been much worse. Okay. We're done talking about the PGMOL for now. Until <laughs> next week, maybe. They'll give us something else to talk about. God knows. Um, but next, we'll take you to some scores from around the grounds this week. Starting off with Manchester United nil, Crystal Palace won. Manchester United's home form taking another hit at the hands of Crystal Palace. A absolute banger of a goal from Yaki Manderson. Yeah. Uh, Great, Sam. Sees Crystal Palace take all three points at Old Trafford. 22% possession for Crystal Palace on the day. Was (laughs) just enough to get it over the line against a stumbling Manchester United team? Ethan, you would like to say something about Manchester United? Um,
1: th- This was this was an unlucky defeat. Did they deserve all three points? I'm not sure, but I saw pieces of this game. Palace were hanging on for dear life at... <laughs> at oh, I'm sure, certain, yeah. ...in in certain moments, but they held out. Um, This is huge. I mean, just huge, huge worrying signs for United. You know, I think it goes without saying, but at least when things were, you know, touch and go for United, they always had the home form to bank on. Now they've just lost back-to-back games at home in the Prem. Um, and if they don't have, and their away form has not improved, the home forms taking the tank, this is scary hours and not in a good way for United right now. <laughs>
0: On the other hand, Crystal Palace jump up to ninth, two points above their foes on the day, Manchester United uh in tenth um, but yeah, this is again, I mean, Eric Ten holock seat shouldn't be hot, but it's definitely something's gotta change, and I don't think it, it takes me saying that to say that something's got to change. something certainly has to change um before anything can get better. Newcastle two Burnley nil a M- Miguel Almiron pretty sweet curler um yeah. from about 22 23 yards uh is the winner on the day in the 14th minute Alexander Izak PK in the 76th caps off a comfortable 2 nothing win against Burnley Burnley sitting 19th on one point not the way I think anyone thought Vincent company would have the start Vincent company would have gotten to life in the Premier League but you know Match week seven, certainly a lot of time. Also, left. They, again, like I mentioned, difficult opponents. Yeah,
1: yeah, like I mentioned last week, the opponents they've had to start off the season have just been insanely difficult. They've got yep. Luton coming up this uh, tomorrow, actually, so that that should be the real test, as Luton always is the real test in the Premier League, of course. <laughs> <laughs> just as ever. Um,
0: yeah, <laughs> but Newcastle bounce up to eighth. Certainly hitting some kind of form in the Premier League. Um, three in a row, I think it is now, for, for Newcastle. So. Mm-hmm. And then a huge clash midweek with none other than Paris Saint-Germain in the Champions League. Their first Champions League game at home since 2011. I don't even know when the last time they were in the Premier League. It was definitely like, maybe it was 20, years, back like
1: 20 years ago.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, like way, way back. Um, <laughs> exciting times. At uh, at Newcastle though, Dan Burn versus nil. Mbappe
1: will be there no matter what. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's coming. Time's ticking. The countdown to Burn versus Mbappe. <laughs> um, Bournemouth nil, Arsenal four, and nice comfortable win for Arsenal. It's been a little bits that they've had a win this comfortable, uh, besides obviously midweek games, um. But Bukasaka in the 17th, Odegaard penalty in the 44th, none other than Kai Havertz penalty in the 53rd. Snaps for Kai Havertz. Um, and then Ben White polishing it off in the 93rd. Yeah, Kai Havertz off the board. We did this for Pepe, you know how he turned out. So,
1: Is there anything more disrespectful than... The team you're playing against giving Kai Havertz a a pity penalty.
0: (laughs) 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 Yeah, I mean, like, I know he's like smiling and all, but deep down, he's like, "God fucking yeah!" (laughs) Like, I really am that guy. That's not how you want to break the slump. Like, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you got to break it somehow. I'm sure it's it, 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 it. it might actually work backwards for confidence because it's almost like they're making fun of you because that's the only way they can actually get you to score a goal. But, you know, it does save one next to Kai Haver's name in the stat sheet when it comes to goals. So, better mm-hmm. than zero. But Arsenal benefiting from that City loss. Now within one point of league leaders Manchester City. Tied with Tottenham on points and goal difference. Uh, sitting one point above Liverpool in fourth. West Ham 2, Sheffield United nil, Comfortable wins becoming a little bit of a staple for West Ham this season. They take all three Mm -hmm. at home. Jared Bowen in the 24th, Thomas Suchek in the 37th. Not much of a fight here from Sheffield United, just two shots on net. But West Ham United, a team that was battling relegation for the heavy part of last season, now sitting in seventh with a couple of really nice results of their name, you know, Nice performance last week at home against uh it was last week uh, uh against City right if I'm not mistaken, yeah, yeah. Ah, time is a blur nowadays, um, but yeah, this is fucking West Ham man. They've really turned it around and at the hands of David Moyes, nonetheless. Um, I mean, can't really praise him enough nowadays.
1: Yeah, I mean, Jared Bowen five goals in the league already. I mean. Bowen's on fire, Andy Shagging and Danny Dyer. Which by the way, I do I, I want to say something real quick. This had to be the, one of the most confusing experiences of my life when I first heard this chant, because I don't know if you know, but so he's dating Danny Dyer, which is mm-hmm. obviously a female, but Danny yeah. Dyer's father. I think I, I don't understand, like I don't know who British celebrities are, but I'm pretty sure the father named Danny Dyer is also a celebrity. But the father and the daughter both named Danny Dyer. But <laughs> they say he's shagging Danny Dyer. Don't look at me. I don't know. I don't know,
0: <laughs> I don't know shit about this. Well, like, when know,
1: I first yeah. heard, when I first heard this after the um, after the uh conference league final, I'm like, oh, who the hell is Danny Dyer? And I see it's like this like dude, like fifty year old like British lovely. I'm like. Something ain't right here. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But anyway, you know, not the same thing wrong with don't that. Let that. Don't let that <laughs> distract you from Bowen's great starts of the season.
0: <laughs> Everton won, Luton Town nil. The Battle of Mid results in a three point collection from Luton Town. Their first in the history of the Premier League. They go into Goodison and get all three. Dominic Calverleyan's forty-fifth minute, forty-first minute goal was not enough to take any points. Really, this is this is just a brutal game of football. But two shots on target sometimes that's all you need for Luton Town. They take all three. Uh, Wolves three points only needed that one. May, <laughs> yeah, uh, three points that may prove to be absolutely vital come the end of the season. That actually pops them out of relegation for. Just for now, right above Bournemouth in 18th on three. But, yeah, in all likelihood, this will be more of a consolation win as Town are more than likely to be going down at this point. But if they were to survive, it's got to start somewhere. And Everton away on the sheet is definitely a nice place to start. Nottingham Forest won, Brentford won. A nice, resilient performance from Nottingham Forest at home. Norgard gets the opener in the 58th after the Nikate, uh 56-minute red card. Decent amount of red cards this week. Um, and then Nicholas Dominguez in the 65th, down a man, gets the equalizer at home. It finishes 1-1. Brentford slipping off of their impressive form to start the season. Uh, and Bournemouth, and Risa got off to very hot starts. They've since cooled down a little bit. Um, they now sit 14th after being top 7 for a decent amount of time. Um, but Nottingham Forest sitting in 12th on eight, just above them. Nottingham Forest team that is putting in some decent performances, not even threatening that relegation pack right now. Obviously, there's plenty of time to change, but for now, both teams, for the most part. Probably looking at mid-table yeah and finally fulham nil chelsea to a real life football win for chelsea football club just happened before our eyes not only that but michala mudrick gets the winner in the 18th minute armando broja nice to see him come back off the brutal injury that he had uh and getting a goal mixing and matching lineups yet again from uh Pachettino but this time it works. I mean, the staples are there. Fernandez, Caicedo, Gallagher played pretty well. Cole-will, Thiago Silva, uh, Cucurella playing right back is definitely one of the decisions of all time. <laughs> um and but it works. What can I say? It worked. They <laughs> I think this is a 4-4-3. Four, four, a 4-3-3 three, three, that is. Um mm. a formation that I haven't seen Chelsea playing quite a bit. Uh but hey, Got to start somewhere. I, if, if one thing doesn't work, they have so many. That's the thing. They have so many options. It's like, it's like Subway, you know? Subway's got like 16.3 billion combinations. Like, that's essentially the Chelsea team we're looking at here. And one of them's got to work. And who knows? 2-0 like, away at Fulham. This is, this is a Fulham team. It's not bad. Paulina's in there. Uh, you know? William, I don't fucking know. They're they're decent. <laughs> <laughs> Anthony Robinson, obviously. Um but yeah, to go away on the road, get a f- 3 points for a Chelsea team that's fucking reeling right now, like hell yeah. Like it's got it has to start somewhere, <laughs> and why not start this weekend away at And yeah. that <laughs> just about rounds it out for the Premier League match week 8. Let's roll straight into some match Match week seven, I should say. Let's roll straight into some match week eight coverage right now. We got one prediction this week, and it's a big one. Arsenal hosting Manchester City at the Emirates. Ethan, what do you got? I promised that
1: I would not predict Arsenal to avoid defeat against City until I saw it with my own eyes. Um, I don't know if we're counting the Community Shield here. Um, (laughs) I'm not. Because I need to see a prem win. We've beaten City in cup competitions, but um, I don't, I didn't have any facial hair the last time uh, Arsenal beat City in the league, or at the very least avoid defeat. Um, not even facial hair. I don't think I had any pit hair either. It was a while back. Um, no pubic, but <laughs> All prepubescent signs. Yeah. <laughs> But if there was ever a time, I feel like we say this every time. I I, I hate I hate using this <laughs> phrase. But if there was ever a time <laughs> <laughs> that Arsenal were to avoid defeat, and I'm saying avoid defeat because I'm not predicting an Arsenal win year, but if Arsenal were to avoid defeat, now would be the time—a very depleted Man City squad, Arsenal with most of their squad healthy. I. Hopefully, Um, I know Sokka is a knock, but Sokka always starts. Um, Mm -hmm. Rice is healthy um, after a bit of a scare. Arsenal have the core that they need. They're missing Martinelli. Trossard may not be back in time, but they have the core guys. They've got Rice. They've got Zinchenko, Saliba, Gabriel, Sokka, Odegaard. These are the guys they just can't live without, and they have them. At home... Emirates bound to be rocking. I think I I genuinely believe and this is not like just like hope or optimism. I genuinely feel like this game is going to be a draw and a very exciting one at that. Arsenal three, Manchester City three.
0: <laughs> Jesus fuck. Yeah, that might put me in the hospital. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> That game, if that game were to go through as you predicted it, that might be an ER trip. Uh, I am not predicting that. Uh, I will... This is a, This is coming from a human that said Arsenal were going to win the league. Um, until Arsenal put in a performance that isn't the worst performance of the year against City. Uh... I will always predict them to have the worst performance of the year against City. So, we are going to lose this game 2-0. And they don't even need to have any... They could bench Holland. They could bench everyone. It's just the fact that they are wearing blue jerseys with Man City on them. That I think we're just... It's one of those mental things. And I know you don't believe in that, but I believe in these self-fulfilling prophecies. It's not a superstitious thing. It's just young guys going up against a team that they've never actually beaten in their professional career in, like, a meaningful game. It's just a very difficult thing to overcome for some people. And until they actually do it, until they get that monkey off their back, they are not going to do it. And they've that that's pretty much it. Am, am I being overly pessimistic? Probably. I, Arsenal coming off a couple wins. Man City playing the pretty poor football at the moment by Manchester by Man City standards there's no reason for me to be as pessimistic as I am right now but until I see Arsenal go out there and actually control a football match against Manchester City I will always believe that they will go out there and absolutely poop their pants as they have in the last god knows how many games against Manchester City so they're going to lose two nothing maybe three nothing maybe four nothing Uh, And that is my ultra-pessimistic outlook on my favorite soccer team. (laughs) We move on to our final segment of the podcast. And as you, let's be honest, definitely have heard, unless you are completely (laughs) detached from society and living in a way-out-there Amazon tribe that has not touched civilization in thousands of years, you know that Taylor Swift... Has been courting, if you will, well-known tight end for the Kansas City Chiefs, Travis Kelsey. And with that, I'll pass it on to Ethan for our final segment of today's podcast.
1: Yeah, so like Brian said, if you've watched more than .8 seconds of an NFL broadcast, you've seen Taylor (laughs) Swift in the crowd at some point. Um. And with the idea of celebrity fans in mind, now that Taylor Swift has been to the last two Chiefs games, we're going to test Braden's obscure knowledge slash intuition to see if he can match the celebrity with the Premier League club that they support. So I imagine that you have almost no background knowledge of what random celebrities support which EPL clubs. I'm sure you know maybe like one or two. But...
0: Uh, I know LeBron spoils the because I'm a LeBron sexual. So <laughs>
1: LeBron is not in here because I feel okay, like good. that's pretty common knowledge. So sure. Um, I think there's maybe like one, maybe two that you might know in here. Um, but the okay. rest, I think,
0: makes for a good quiz. We're just
1: gonna have to, we're gonna have to see what your uh rationale is for your picks. So I'll list these out slowly, just so you. Can either like type them out or just keep a mental note. So the celebrities we have are Idris Elba, Gordon Ramsay, Sylvester Stallone, Prince William, Samuel L. Jackson, Adele, and Margot Robbie.
0: Mm. Okay.
1: All right. And the clubs that you'll have to match them up with are Aston Villa, Arsenal. Chelsea, Everton, Fulham, Liverpool, and Spurs.
0: Okay. So, I'm going to get two out of the way because I know I think two of them. I'm pretty sure right. I, I'm pretty sure Adele's a Spurs fan, and I'm pretty sure Idris Elba is an Arsenal fan. So, get those two out of the way. All right, coming high out the gate. I... I'm going to get a post-it note. Okay. I do not have a post-it So, go through one more time. From the top.
1: Alright, so are you locking in those it. picks, or do you want me to say everybody again? I
0: am lo- I'm locking in those picks. You go through every- everybody else but Arsenal, Spurs, Adele, and Idris Elba.
1: Okay. So, you have Sylvester Stallone, Margot Robbie, Gordon Ramsay, Samuel L. Jackson, and Prince William. Yeah. Okay. And the teams are Aston Villa, Chelsea, yeah. Everton, Fulham, yeah. and Liverpool. All right. <clears throat> Gordon Ramsey, Gordon Ramsey, Gordon Ramsey. I think
0: Gordon Ramsey is a Villa fan. I'm gonna say Gordon Ramsay. Villa. Margot Robbie, Margot Robbie, Margot Robbie. I I remember some interview for Barbie where I think she said something about this. Samuel Jackson. I think, um, I don't think Samuel Jackson's villa. Okay. Hmm. Prince William Liverpool. Say that. Prince William Liverpool. No, because Prince William would have grown up in London. Is that right? No, because he was the Duke of Duke of Essex. Is that London? I don't know ge- <laughs> the geography that well. For the sake I'm of the surprised podcast, you even... I'll speed this up.
1: That's a lot more British royalty knowledge than I know. <laughs> so <laughs> Prince William? I uh,
0: yeah. Uh, I know who Prince William uh, is, I didn't know like
1: he was is. Duke of something or whatever.
0: <laughs> yeah, he's the he's the. I don't even know. I don't even think they care about the <laughs> territories anymore. There's no like castles or anything, so I don't know. Um, okay. Margot Robbie. All right, we'll go. We'll go Prince William Liverpool. go Goes my gut there. Stallone Everton. Just you know, Workman's Club. And that leaves Samuel Jackson, Margot Robbie, Chelsea, and Fulham. Let's go Margot Robbie to Chelsea and then Jackson to Fulham. And that, that'll that be it.
1: All right. Samuel L. Jackson to Fulham. Margot Robbie to Chelsea. And then where'd you have Gordon Ramsay?
0: Villa? Villa. Villa. All right. All right. How'd I do?
1: So out of seven, you got a respectable three. Really? I thought he than that. <laughs> no, you actually, first of all, the one that I thought there was one that I thought you would get, because this is the only one that I knew beforehand. Uh-huh. Um, which was Prince William is an Aston Villa fan. Oh shit. Well that that's not good. Yeah. I remember him from the FA Cup final. I've seen him at a couple uh Villa games. So that, that's the one I knew. That's the one I thought you might have known. Um, but you were spot on. Idris Elba is an Arsenal fan. And Adele is a Spurs fan. So those two you were confident in, you were spot on with those. And you're shot in the dark. Sylvester Stallone is, in fact, a toffee. <laughs>
0: It just makes sense. It just makes sense. Working class. It kind of
1: does. It does. Yeah. Um, besides the The lack of parallels between the success of Rocky and the lack of success <laughs> of Everton Football Club, I, I guess it does make sense there. Um, Margot Robbie is not a Chelsea fan. Margot Robbie is a Fulham fan.
0: Yeah, I was not Um. about
1: that. The Chelsea fan was Gordon Ramsey.
0: Interesting.
1: And I guess it makes sense. The Lord Liverpool fan. Lord and the Liverpool fan is Samuel L. Jackson. Okay. So three three out of seven for something where I, I especially have happened, like almost but... no background knowledge of. That's that's pretty <laughs> good.
0: Yeah, well Adele, I think uh... Adele's, like a pretty common one, I thought. Um, as soon as you said Adele, I knew Tottenham Hotspur. Um, and Idris Elba, I think he was in a like a some kind of promo for Arsenal at some point.
1: Yeah, he was in like the like no more red, no more red promo yeah. where we did like the so all I, white kids. Yeah,
0: it. yeah. Um, but other than that, I was crap shooting. Um, I remember like seeing Gordon Ramsay at a game, but like I don't remember exactly like. Where he was or I don't know. But I, I mean look, it'll be good for the Premier League if if who who do who do you think Taylor Swift would most likely date in the Premier League? Most likely date in most the Most Travis Kelsey esque <laughs> Dan Byrne. <laughs> think her it's can, be. Her
1: gets <laughs> Dan Byrne and know. Taylor Swift. T- I I need to hear a Taylor Swift song about the heartbreak of
0: <laughs> Denver. It <laughs> <laughs> burned me, burned my heart. Like it's there, it's it, on the table. <laughs> it writes itself.
1: <laughs>
0: well, if Travis that's Kelsey can, that's a multi-million
1: dollar up. song.
0: <laughs> just a whole album, easy. just called Burn. Yeah, slow burn, something like that. It's great. I can ghostwrite if you want me to. <laughs> um but with that your move Taylor boy, swift. enough about the <laughs> enough about Taylor <laughs> swift because honestly i'm sure uh if people listen to media are sick about it <laughs> it's yeah. just sick of hearing about it mm-hmm. um so with that we will sign off for this week match week eight coming up Ooh, a big one i'll say that a big one if you're an arsenal fan like myself and my brother it's these are the games you know and then hopefully we're we're in it at halftime. That's all I'm asking for at this point. Because last time Arsenal played Chelsea, uh, Ars- Arsenal played City, it's getting late, sorry. Last time <laughs> Arsenal played City, uh, I was just ranting to my friend at a <laughs> local Copenhagen bar for the entire second half about why we just can't beat this team. Anything with that, Arsenal, and I'm happy. And with that, we'll sign off for this week. Adios. See you.